Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. Quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from Quince. Ooh, Mm -hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking, I'm going to toot my own horn, effortlessly chic. Whether it's winter or or summer, they've got premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Well, hello there and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I'm Kate Spencer. And I'm Dori Shafrir. And we are not experts. No, we're not. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. But we are two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. Dory, this is true. And you know what? I worked out this morning and I didn't oh, shower, mm-hmm. but I did wash my face, put on my essence, put on my oil. I did the thing. Okay. All so it's right. A, it's a commitment to serums. It's not a commitment to cleanliness because I still smell. Uh, anyway, if you would like to read all about the serums we talk about on our show or anything else we mention, you can visit our website, which is forever35podcast.com. You can find us on Twitter at forever35pod, on Instagram at forever35podcast. And of course, there is a always growing forever35 Facebook group where the password to get in is serums. And you can sign up for our newsletter at forever35podcast.com slash newsletter. Next issue will be going out 
a week from tomorrow. Love if it. You, yeah. And actually today I'm going to be talking about something that I mentioned in the last newsletter. So if you are a newsletter subscriber, you got a little sneak peek. Oh, oh. <laughs> um, and if you would like to reach us, we have a number where you can leave us a voicemail or text us. It is 781-591-0390. And our email is forever35podcast at gmail.com. In Indeed, it is. And uh, if you like the show, we really appreciate a review on Apple Podcasts. So thank you in advance for your support. Yeah. And, you know, Kate, I just want to remind everyone, I know I've been beating this drum, but I'm going to beat it a couple more times. <laughs> Tappity tap. Here it goes. Yeah. You have six more days. That is six. One, two, three, four, five, six more days to sign up for the Forever 35 Happy Hour by pre-ordering my book and registering at dory-shafreer.com slash pre-order. The Happy Hour will be on June 7th at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Kate mm-hmm. might do a butt mask. No, don't <laughs> promise things that... I said might. I said might. So, you know, Definitely you might not. Definitely going to have to turn my <laughs> camera off for the butt mask. <laughs> Maybe I'll do a boob mask. Wow, this this happy hour is going to quickly get pretty R-rated. It's be raunchy. <laughs> Just kidding. It's not going to be R-rated. It will be family-friendly. Oh, it's going to be, like, so sensitive. We'll probably be, like, weeping about gratitude in, like, two minutes to the party. Oh, my God. We so will. So, yeah. So, all you have to do is pre-order my book, register, and boom, you're in. Woohoo. I'm excited. Woo-hoo. <sighs> well, Kate. Mm. That was a weird noise. Do- yeah, how are you how are you doing? Well, you know, I have been grappling with something that I wanted to raise to see if anyone else was feeling it, which is that, you know, we're starting here let's first preface this by saying when we talk about our experiences with COVID-19, we are speaking specifically as two women living in California in the United States of America. So we've had access to a vaccine that a lot of people haven't had. Like we're we're just we can only speak to where we are. And what's been happening around us is that things are getting back to quote unquote normal. Not truly normal, but like people are starting to gather. You know, the the vaccinated have come together. For example, tonight I have dinner plans with a little You know what? I do too. Do you all do you also? And maybe our friend Danielle does too, because we're all going out together. Yeah. Which I'm very excited about. But I am too. I don't know if you've noticed, but like people are starting to gather, at least where we are in our community, and sharing, you know, like the Instagram FOMO is starting to happen for me where I'm like seeing people together (laughs) and then I'm like interesting. Oh, Oh gosh, like like the to quote Mindy Kaling's book title is everyone hanging We're out hanging out without me. Without yeah. me. Yeah. Which they're not. Like this is as I was kind of working through it, I was like, this is look, I've never done quote inner child work, but this to me is like my my earliest purest insecurity, this feeling of like being left out, being not not fitting in all that stuff. It's just lingered my entire life. And intellectually, I know it's not true. Like, I know no one is intentionally leaving me out. No, like, I also know, like, 
half the time I'm looking at photos of people I barely know, but it's still triggering this new sensation of after a year of like pure isolation where we were all doing it. I'm now coming back to like the middle school feelings of like, oh, FOMO. It's really weird. And I, again, I know it's my own thing, which means I've got to dial up the old therapist and talk it through. But I, I don't, have you felt this at all? Like, have you kind of exper- like been seeing more and more kind of people publicly showing off their gatherings and feeling a little bit like, where do I fit in? You know, it's funny because as you were talking, a lot of what you were saying was resonating with me. And this is actually something that I write about in my book a lot. You know, this feeling as I was growing up of like always feeling kind of slightly outside of what everyone else Mm. was doing and feeling left out, especially at sleepaway camp. I've definitely felt these things. But it's funny. I haven't so much felt them lately. I'm not feeling I don't think I'm feeling as much FOMO as you are right now but that might also be because i'm i feel like i'm not on social media as much as i had been well i've also kind of gotten off of it i don't have instagram on my phone right now i'm on a big book deadline but i do peek at it like once a day on my computer sometimes and then i'm i, I don't even know what it is i think honestly what it is is the reemerging into society and the old kind of insecurities that you hadn't touched in a while. Yeah, like totally. Taking their bathrobe off and like walking around naked in your brain. And you're just like, oh, you're back. Yes, yes, yes. And I mean, that's not to say that I'm not feeling other insecurities about coming out of COVID. Are you, What are you feeling? Do you have any <sighs> like things that you're feeling coming out of the, the COVID times? You know, I think for me, it's more like... Am I going to remember how to be a person? Mm, yeah. You know, like we've been interacting with people virtually for over a year now. We haven't had to have that much like face-to-face interaction and like what's going to happen, <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of like what what's going on? So that's that's a little bit how I'm feeling. Like and actually, you know, I this is kind of what I wrote about in the newsletter, which is that I do feel like we're all sort of emerging, like like we were in an underground bunker. Yeah, kind of we really blinking, were. <laughs> like, oh, that sun is so bright. Um. So yeah, but you know what? I I feel you. Like I have felt that FOMO so much. In the past, I, for some reason, I'm just not feeling it right now, but I'm That's sure that will change. Great. Well, I did want to flag that um, June Diane Rayfield, past podcast guest, and Jessica St. Clair, all around wonderful, brilliant, funny human, have a new podcast called The Deep Dive. Mm-hmm. And I've started listening to it. And it's like, I, I was just laughing hysterically, putting things away in my house last night confusing the rest of my family but in the first episode jessica who um went through breast cancer kind of talks about coming out of that experience and how Mm. she thinks it's very similar to kind of how we're all coming out of the pandemic like this kind of feeling of like going through a trauma and you've come out of it completely changed but you're still 
kind of grappling with a lot of the grief and trauma of the experience. It's really interesting and really insightful. So, I mean, it's a hilarious podcast and also really emotional and lovely and their friendship is really great. So I would recommend it. But they I thought she just spoke really eloquently about that experience. Mm. And it it resonated with me in a lot of ways about kind of coming out of this. (sighs) On that note, Dory. Yes, you've had you've had a fascinating change. And I will say this as someone who's been your friend for a while now and really seen you through like some fashion moments. And you really Mm. had you really had a style that you seem to be shedding. And I'm I'm fascinated by what's happening right now with you. (laughs) Okay, so here's what's going on. Let me set the scene for you. I love a scene setting. Okay. So I felt like kind of around the time that I turned 40, I needed to like jettison my former uniform, which was typically what I wore to work, which was like skinny jeans and then like maybe like a silk top, usually with like some sort of pattern on it. And then I also had the inverse, which would be like silky pattern pants and then like a solid Mm. top. Always with like a sophisticated black boot, like an ankle boot. Yes, I was was just going to (laughs) say. Sorry. (laughs) I had a lot of ankle boots. (laughs) I had two pairs of those Isabel Morant suede ankle boots. I wore those all the time. Fancy, fancy, fancy. Um, And yeah, so that was just kind of my uniform. And then around, like I said, around the time I turned 40, I was like, "I, I don't know. This doesn't really feel like me anymore. And I started getting very into the kind of flowy linen pant earth tone neutral vibe mm. i started getting very into like slow fashion and exploring different um slow fashion brands and a lot of their clothes look very similar it's a lot of like big flowy linen mm-hmm. <laughs> um and i was like this is me i'm embracing this and so my closet became very monochromatic and and flowy if you will and and that was fine cut to the pandemic when all i wear is you know all i was wearing was like athleisure if i bothered to even get out of my pajamas and then now as we're kind of emerging from this i was like i don't I am not vibing with these clothes anymore. Mm. The flowy clothes, the ones that I had turned to, you know, it was interesting. Mm-hmm. But then I was mm-hmm. like, but then what is my look? Who because am I? I don't, who am I? I, I don't want to go back to skinny jeans and ankle boots. Like that doesn't, that doesn't feel like me anymore either. I mean, the teens will savage you. The teens would just have a field day. And like, as much as I am proud to be a 44-year-old cusp Gen X woman, I just don't need that in my life. You know what I mean? You don't need teen judgment. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like how, it's not like we're parading around in front of a, a I know. panel of teens every day. But I know. You know, you don't want to be like, I mean, I could. What if you, you don't want to be out of, you, you, you want to be true to yourself, but like, you get yes. it. You, you stay on the trend. You flow yes, with the trend. And then I was like, but then I was like, what is the trend? Like, what is the trend if I'm not 23? 
or 16, you know, like what is the trend? And so I was just, I was very confused for a while. And then I was like, you know, I think for me, what I need right now after this, you know, year plus in lockdown is I need some joy in my clothing. Okay. I need, I need some bright colors. I need some patterns. Patterns. I have to say, you were not patterning. No, I was not pattern patterning. I was, I was neutraling. I was monochromaticing. Yeah, you were like a, a sandy rust. Yes, yes. I had a lot of <laughs> rust. I love rust. I, I love a rust lot of it. too. Um. So I was like, "Huh, this is interesting." And I've bought a few things lately that kind of align with this new joyful perspective, like floral dresses and some tops and just like things that I look at in my closet and I think like, oh, those make me feel happy. And like when I put them on, I feel I feel happy and I just want to feel happier in my clothing. Oh, Dory, I love this. I love this. I mean, dare I borrow a line from you and say, I love this for you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. But I do because I do too. I I do feel like, you know, we joke about like your moody stages as a teen and your like Daria-esque teen vibe that you had. But like, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in the times that I've known you, big bright patterns have never been a thing. It's true. And it's been very fun receiving texts from you modeling dresses that you've purchased recently. And they are all very like fun, bright, Mm -hmm. while Mm -hmm. still looking Mm -hmm. comfortable, sophisticated, stylish. Mm -hmm. Go on. Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I, and I, I do think it's kind of come, you know, it's, it is reflective of coming out of this time that we've been in. Not just of like sweatsuits and like loungewear and being at home, but also, you know, grappling with this collective sadness and figuring out ways to tap into joy. Yeah. You're tapping into joy with your I'm outfits. tapping into joy. I'm, you know what? I'm sparking joy within myself. Mm. If you will. <laughs> Well, when are we going to see you? Mo- you know what? You better model a joyful outfit at, at our Zoom happy hour. Oh, oh, it will be joyful. And you know what? I will also wear something joyful tonight. Okay, good. I can't wait to see the joy out and about on the town. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I look forward. Maybe you're in like a jaunty cap. I look forward to re- you really sparking a it up. jaunty cap. <laughs> A jaunty cap. <laughs> <Is that a-> <laughs> <laughs> what? <sighs> a jaunty cap. You know what I mean? Like a, like a, like a, a cap. I, I know exactly like- what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. I will not be wearing a jaunty cap. <laughs> I guess also there's like, you know, I know like a lot of, a lot has been said of like the millennials love skinny jeans and the generation Zers love big jeans and whatever but like there's also something to be said for the feeling of just like this is for me i like that's it which which 
like that's happening as I get older. Like I, I didn't, I didn't always feel like the, this is for me feeling, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Anyway. Hmm. I'll wear a jaunty cap tonight is what I'm saying. Oh, in my honor. Yeah. For you. (laughs) Thank you so much. I don't really have any jaunty caps. I have a lot of like sun protection hats, but I'll make them jaunty. All right. Maybe you'll put a feather in your cap. Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It's time to take a break. Um, We've got to calm down. We really do. Um, When we come back, we are talking with the wonderful Lizzie Cleary. Lizzie is the training director at UCLA's Center for Integrative Oncology. She teaches, she's a clinical psychologist, and she specializes in grief, and she is just a delight, a brilliant, insightful, wonderful human. I was, we were so glad to get to talk to her. She was just a, a treat. She's so, she's so wise and wonderful. So I'll show, we, we should set up, Dory, that we did receive some feedback from a listener asking us to change how we introduce our guests. Yes. And Lizzie... <laughs> Very kindly <sighs> agreed to be the first guinea pig and how we kind of, as we work through maybe changing up our intro format a little bit. So, but we should also say that there will be interviews that air after Lizzie that are in the quote unquote old format because we recorded some things like prior to Lizzie that are airing later. Very true. And if you have thoughts on how we are readjusting our introductions, you know, by all means, let us know. Yeah. Um, and thank you to the listener who suggested it was awkward for us to read somebody's bio to them <laughs> <laughs> after doing it for three uh, years. <laughs> well, I mean, not to get too in the weeds with this, but I feel like we started doing that because we had gotten feedback that people didn't know who the, like, they weren't familiar enough with the guests. Yeah. And they wanted, like, a, pricey on who on who they were so that was kind of the origin of it but and this is all to say that we really do listen to your feedback so thank you for weighing in on the structure of the show i thought it was really helpful feedback that this listener gave us and we're gonna play around with it so totally thank you all right we'll be right back you know the weather's getting warmer So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. Quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from Quince. Ooh, Mm -hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking, I'm going to toot my own horn, effortlessly chic. Whether it's winter or or summer, they've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. 
You got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Kate, I feel like we are like barreling into summer. It's happening so fast. It is. And I feel like also with summer just come more social events. There's weddings. There's nights out. It's vacations. I mean, like all the things happening in summer. And what I love is that Honey Love has just the right thing for all those events. Feel comfortable and confident this summer with Honey Love's best-selling Super Power Short. The Super Power Short smooth shapes and lifts, giving you a flawless silhouette under any outfit with targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. Speaking of working with your bod, the crossover bra, which I'm wearing as we speak. I wear that my, thing every day. I do too. Uh, it's my favorite Honey Love piece. Let me let me just tell you why. Yeah, get or, into okay, it. Do you want to tell me why? No, no. I was just <laughs> going to say like, I, I, I don't even need to wear it to events. I wear it like the event is every day of my life. Yes, that's such a good way of putting it. The bra gives all the support of traditional bras without using any underwires. And just like sidebar, I have put on some of my old underwire bras lately and been like, oh, God, like get this off of me. No, thank <laughs> once you. you. Once you start wearing Honey Love, you're just like, no, not yep. going back. You see also, how it like, could be. Yes. Also, like summer sweat under those underwires is like, ugh, the worst. Now you don't have to worry about it. Get the support you need with the comfort you deserve and treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market. Save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started. So shape your life with Honey Love. You know, Dory, we talk to a lot of really fantastic intelligent people on this podcast. But I don't know, maybe you're like us and you want to go even deeper. Mm, I'd love to go deeper. We like to go deep. And that's not only possible with today's sponsor, but also easy to accomplish on Masterclass. Every year I get really into the classes offered and the instructors offering them. Like I'm all over the place with the things that I like on Masterclass. But this year, I am very interested in the class Redefining Feminism, which is 14 lessons from Gloria Steinem. Okay. Now, they dissect issues 
women face in the U.S. and ways we can play a role in the feminist movement in our everyday lives. Look, I majored in women and gender studies in college. So this is right up my alley. But even if you didn't, even if you're like, this is the first time I'm hearing those words. I would argue, especially if you didn't. Yes. Get into it with Masterclass because this is the year you can really learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Go from just talking about improving to actually doing the things you've been wanting to do with Masterclass. And it doesn't have to be redefining feminism with glorious dynam. It can be gardening in your own garden or your yard or patio. It can be learning to cook Indian food or designing a space that you love. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master like negotiation with Chris Voss or think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or maybe capture your vision through photography with Petra Collins, Masterclass has you covered. With Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash F35. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash F35. That's masterclass.com slash F35. You know, one thing I think is really kind of interesting about skin, my skin, but all skin, is that like what it needs now in my 40s is not what I needed in my 30s. Totally. Definitely not what I needed in my 20s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like, how are you supposed to know what your skin needs? It's hard. It's hard to know. Especially when there's just like so many products out there. The overwhelm is real. It's a struggle to even know how to get the results you want, what products to start with. This is why we're super excited to partner with Apostrophe. Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed medications that are clinically proven to help. I have used Apostrophe. I love it. They will pair you with a board-certified dermatologist who literally creates a personalized treatment plan for your skin. I have done this a few times now. It is so easy to do their online consultation. You upload photos And like within a few weeks, I had done the consultation and received my treatment plan and my product. Amazing. And that is how I became a Tretinoin gal. I love the Tretinoin that they sent me. I love their sunscreen. Both products have been amazing on my skin. And you, Forever 35 listeners, can get a special deal from Apostrophe. You can get your first visit for only $5. That's at apostrophe.com slash forever35 when you use our code forever35. Now that is a savings of $15. I like that. This code is only available to forever35 listeners. So to get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash forever35 and click get started. And then use our code forever35 at sign up and you will get your first visit for only $5. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode. So our guest today is Dr. Lizzie Cleary, uh, and we're trying something a little new, Dory and I. And and wait, can we? Do we call you Dr. Cleary? Do we call you Dr. Lizzie? Lizzie, Lizzie is great. Okay, all right, Lizzie, it okay. is. So Lizzie has very kindly agreed to introduce herself to our audience because we're playing up how we introduce guests. It's true. 
And so, you are, you are a listener, Lizzie. So you've heard it before. And so yes. we, we appreciate you attempting this new move and trying out just putting all the pressure on you to tell us, <laughs> tell our audience about you before we get started in our conversation. No worries. I'm more than happy to be a guinea pig. Um, so yes, yeah, so I am Lizzie Cleary. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist. I'm the director of training at the Simsman UCLA Center for Integrative Oncology. So there I provide therapeutic support to patients and their loved ones who are going through treatment for cancer. And then I also supervise and teach graduate students in psychology, social work, chaplaincy, medicine on how to provide that kind of support. Wow. So cool. It's so cool. And I also imagine emotionally hard. I mean, anyone who does this work always reminds us that it's very rewarding. And I know that there's like, you know, you have training in place to help you get through it. But it also sounds like that's got to be really emotional on a day to day basis. It is. And I feel like people, I don't know, people used to ask the question, you know, how do you not take that home with you? But I, I think the answer is that you do. Mm-hmm. And if you aren't emotionally impacted, if you don't take it home with you, um, you're, you're probably not doing it right because these are, you know, these are real people with incredibly impactful experiences and you're developing real relationships with them over time. Um, so it, it, it does, it does impact us emotionally. And you're right. As, as a supervisor, as a mentor, um, we, we focus a lot on self care and, you know, figuring out ways to make it sustainable for ourselves. So, so, so then, how? Oh, go ahead, Dora. No, I was just going to ask. I mean, it sounds like so. Then it's less about not bringing it home with you, and more learning how to navigate bringing it home with you. Yes, yes, and yeah, and how you balance that with other things. Yeah, how you take care of yourself, um, how you make sure that you're always providing the best care for your patients and the people that you're working with. So how you're doing emotionally is not negatively impacting that. Um, But yes, it is, it is more about how, how you hold that and carry that as opposed to preventing being emotionally, deeply emotionally impacted. So what are your self-care practices in your own daily life? And they can relate, you know, to work or, or not like what is, what is it? day in the life of Lizzie's self-care. <laughs> so so I have many. I, I could talk about them for hours, but I, I'd love to share kind of a quirkier one. And then I, I'd also love to share what I think of as one of the ultimate reframing reframing of the narratives related to self-care and we'll we'll see if it um we'll see if it impacts you as much as it impacted me the first time that I heard it. But one, one of my self-care practices is channeling what my friend Naomi identifies as my big camp counselor energy, <laughs> which, which is a specific, a specific kind of energy. And this can manifest in small, medium, or large ways. So an example of a small way. So our, our team, which is interdisciplinary psychologists, social workers, chaplain, integrative nutritionist, psychiatrist. Throughout the summer, we were doing Friday, Friday midday check-ins that were all of us on Zoom, um, touching base about just, just how we were doing as people. 
And so I, I started bringing bringing some kind of camp counselor activities to that setting. So really, really simple things. Like I would just say, you know, everyone by Friday, text me one of the photos on your phone from the past week, put it up as slides and had people guess, you know, which, you know, whose avocado toast that was, who took, who made it down to the beach and took a picture of the sunset, you know, whose cat was that curled up on their chair next to them as they did a session. So that's that's a small example. Uh, a more medium-sized example, this year for Valentine's Day with some of my college roommates, we did a um, kind of spicy, uh, spicy Secret Santa book swap. So... <laughs> People could opt in and then I, um, you know, pulled names and we all sent to each other, um, romance, romance books and got really creative with the themes and then had fun guessing who they were from. Um, another maybe slightly bigger example in 2020, before we knew what kind of a year 2020 would be, um, with my college roommates, I coordinated kind of a bucket list. We called it the 20 for 2020. There are 12 of us. Everyone got to submit two items. And so they were things like buy a vintage dress and wear it, um, give a surprisingly oh. large tip to someone, um, go to a concert by yourself. I mean, there, there were such, there were such variation because we all got to submit to. And then I drew up a little, a little checklist with little icons and pictures. And then throughout the year, anytime we did something, we would message each other, you know, include a photo. And I, I think why this speaks to me so much is because I am a strong introvert. The idea of kind of spontaneous, unstructured fun is a little anxiety producing. But when you when you put some structure to it, when you kind of plan it out, I love the planning of it, the anticipation, the getting to enjoy it and see other people enjoy it. Um, so much, so much of my work is, you know, heavier has a has a just a weighty emotional component. So this is one of the ways that I just try and try and interject some lightness, some creativity. Um, so yeah, that that big camp counselor energy, I would say, is a big part of my self care. It's so interesting too because all of those examples are giving to other people like so it's this is kind of like you're like what is your love language like those are mm. all <laughs> wouldn't those all qualify as acts of service essentially i, I mean it's just really so. it's really yeah. interesting like it's not you you did something with a group at work and then what it sounds like you have a really special bond with your college best friends what what is that because 12 is a lot 12 is a lot of friends to kind of take with you yeah 12 is, is a this? lot what is this relationship and like, what does it mean for you in your life? This, I mean, th these relationships are incredible and they are very, very central to my life for sure. Um, they're just wonderful people live all over the world. I mean, Kenya, Norway, Calgary, all over the States. Um, but we've done it. I think we've done a really good job of one of, one of my friends kind of describes it as institutionalizing our friendship we have we have kind of traditions we have rituals wow. we have things that have kept us connected um we we are very we are very active we use uh whatsapp as our main kind of communication strategy and in there we have a whole bunch of different threads 
So we have, you know, our main our main group, but then we also have, you know, one for parents and we'll, you know, ask advice there. We'll have one for people who who do love romance, romance novels, and, and that'll be a separate discussion. We have a politics chain going. Um, we have a gratitude chain going. So there's just, I mean, being across different time zones, any time of day, I can pick up the phone, go in the app, and there will be conversation there amongst these friends. Um, so it's it's just, it's a big source of connection. It's a big source of support, encouragement. Um, and we're all really different people. So just everyone's perspectives. But yeah, th- those friendships are really, really sustaining. That's really powerful. Just the idea, I mean, because I feel like maintaining friendships as adults is really hard anyway, let alone when people are spread out all over the world. And so, yeah, that's really amazing that you're, that you're able to do that. And with 12 people. And how many, how many years does this group friendship span now? The Caesar college. And I'm assuming you're, you know, not 25, not 25. We, we all met, um, 2001. So we, we actually have big plans for celebrating our, our 20th. 20th anniversary of friendship coming up. Oh my God. That is really cool. Mm, It makes me kind of weepy. When you were mentioning being an introvert, I, I, you, one of the things that you had mentioned when you initially emailed us was that something you had learned about extroverts that changed how you interact with your outgoing husband. And I'm curious what that was and um, how that has been working. Yes. So, right. I think when, when people think about introversion and extroversion, one of the, one of the definitions that I think people turn to a lot is this idea of where you get your energy. Do you get your energy from being around people? Do you get your energy from alone time? Which I think is really helpful as a distinction. Um, but something, something I learned is about the way in which introverts and extroverts do their best processing. So I, as an introvert, do my mm. best processing in my head. So that's either, you know, just thinking, writing, composing an email. That's where I do my best thinking. My husband, as an extrovert, does his best thinking out loud. And so, you know, he's he's someone who at the end of the day, you know, wants to talk through his day and wants to, you know, think through everything out loud. And I think at first it was hard for me to figure out my role in that. Because as a therapist, I'm always listening for, okay, is 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 someone needing validation here? Are they needing, you know, questions to help them think through this? Are they needing guidance? And I think I realized that my husband but he wasn't needing something so much for me as he was doing this processing out loud. And so in a way, it kind of got me off the hook that I could be more of a passive listener and that this was useful to mm. him to talk through things. And he wasn't coming to me for that advice or for the ideas. This was just how he was making sense of his day. I you just described my relationship with my husband in like such an insane way. I've, I'm feeling like overwhelmed. <laughs> to be honest, I've never thought about it like this. I'm your husband, and okay. I have to work everything out verbally. Every and and recently, my at some point, my husband was like, "Oh yeah, I know when you say stuff, you're not really committing to it. You're just working it out." Because <laughs> he, I used to say things, and he would be like, "Oh, didn't we agree to do this?" And I would be like, "No." I, 
because I was oh my God, processing Kate, it. I've had the same conversations where I'll say something and I'm just kind of like working it out. And then my husband will like take that as gospel yes. or something and like go do the thing. And I'm like, yes. Wait, no, 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 no. I was just, I, I was just talking like, yes. <laughs> but I don't think I've ever realized that what you're saying, Lizzie is really profound in that. Like the talking is part of the processing. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like that, okay. that is the hey, process. Maybe that's why we're we're podcasters and maybe <laughs> that's why we vibe. Because we work our shit out by talking it through. Wow, Lizzie, you are a good therapist. <laughs> I mean, I I will say this distinction has been incredibly important to me. And too too, as an introvert, it makes sense why I, I don't feel that need or it's it's not helpful for me to kind of recap my day. What's helpful for me is to go for a walk and think it through or, mm. you know, do that processing on my own. Um, so yeah, that, that, that introvert extrovert distinction has been really useful. Oh, can I go back though to, to share my reframing of the self-care yes. narrative? Yes, yes, okay. yes. Okay. So this was, um, this was an idea that was presented to me, uh, by one of my incredible colleagues and friends, Lorelai Bonet. She's a social worker, and she did a presentation to the whole social work uh, team at UCLA around self-care. And her point was that oftentimes self-care gets talked about as this, you know, practice set of practices that kind of undoes what gets taken from us at work or with other responsibilities, whether it's, you know, parenting, um, activism, volunteerism. And so if we think about our time and, you know, my example, 40 hours of work a week, probably more than 40 hours of time taking care of children, it would have to be an incredibly powerful self-care practice to kind of undo those hours. Like the math, the math just doesn't add up. But Lorelai's point was to reframe things so that we actually, actually think about what, what we get in terms of self-care from our jobs or from those responsibilities. So, you know, an example for me, I can get to the end of my Saturday and feel like, you know, oh my gosh, I was, getting kids dressed all day, making meals, you know, out, out at the soccer field, you know, I I need, I need things. I need that self-care for myself. And the reframe is also being able to look at our responsibilities like that and identify things that are self-care that are part of our work, that are part of our caretaking. So, you know, my kids, I get a tremendous amount of physical affection from them. They get me outside so much more. There are so many opportunities to be creative with them. Um, my work, it, it's really energizing to teach and to mentor. It really satisfies my intellectual curiosity to get to hear about people's experiences, what it means to be in a marriage for 50 years, what it means to be in a certain profession and and navigate that with illness. Um, so that that reframe of of thinking about work responsibilities as not only things that take, but that are true sources of self-care has been so helpful to me. And I know I know you two hear all the time that this podcast is 
self-care for listeners. And I think I feel like I've heard both of you say, you know, that this this podcast is work, but that it also is self-care for you in different ways. But I don't know. Is this this reframe was like pretty radical for me because I, mm. I I'm used to the the conversation of work as something, yeah, that that you need self care from. Yeah, but right. I think I had missed all the ways in which work can also give and be be part of our self care too. That's really interesting. I'm now I'm trying as you were talking. I was like trying to think of of in my life all the things where I would where I would be able to reframe. And that's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, I yeah, I'm thinking about it too. I mean, I feel like it does get tricky, right? Because we don't want our work to be so all-encompassing or feel like our work has to fulfill all of our needs. So, if work then also becomes about self-care, you know what I mean? Like it just I, I feel like it has the potential to get tricky, but it's also good to think about your work in in those terms. So, yeah. I and I, and I, I am, I am kind of anti, I don't know, look, you know, looking for silver linings when they aren't there or, mm. you know, anything resembling toxic positivity. So I, I don't think it's about kind of inventing upsides to things mm-hmm. that are draining, tiring, taxing. Um, but it's, I, I think it's more about how we, label things or, you know, thinking about writing for both of you. Like I, I'm sure writing yeah. is a is a process that takes so much out of you, but also it, that there is some caring for yourself as part of that process or there's there are ways that it kind of fills you up as well. Yes, yeah, I think you're definitely sure. right. So we're just going to take a short break and we will be right back. You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning in my mid-40s, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad. They're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering crappiness, Dory. Mm, okay. Which is okay. I visible know. on my <sighs> neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, OneSkin, our sponsor today, knows all about things like crappiness. And I'm not overly concerned with aesthetics, but like I do just want to keep my skin healthy as I age. Totally. I love their topical supplements. They really help your skin feel, I don't want to say younger, but just vibrant, Mm. refreshed. They combine tissue engineering, data analysis, and cutting edge longevity science to literally create the world's most effective product to help with skin aging. I am particularly fond of their face topical supplement. It's essentially a moisturizer, but it has their Mm -hmm. proprietary OSO1 peptide to really help with all the parts of our skin that are exposed to environmental damage. You can use it on your face, your hands, your neck. I know here Mm -hmm. where we live in Los Angeles, our hands, we're driving, that sun is coming at us at all times. 
One Skin believes the purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They really create next level skincare. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and more importantly, acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code OVER50. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. All right, we are back. I, I, I want to just touch on what you just said about um, toxic positivity and not finding silver linings where they aren't there. And I really appreciate that you mentioned this because I find, I, you know, you're dealing with people who are dealing with really serious diagnoses. And so much of the way we talk about like illness and grief and trauma and culturally is, is through this kind of lens of toxic positivity that is real, I find very unhelpful. Mm-hmm. But I'm wondering, you know, we aren't really, there's, we aren't really trained on how to talk about grief or really hard things. And like, I'm, we just had Anna Sale on and, you know, her book is about this, um, which was so profound. But I'm wondering, like, do you have tips for people as a therapist who deals with people going through cancer? Like, how can we talk about these really hard things in a way that doesn't just veer off into like the universe? Like, you know, I'm sure there's a reason everything happens for a reason. You know, it's like, no, I'm just in a shitty situation because it's a shitty situation. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I loved that conversation with, with NSL. I thought that was beautiful. And so ma- all of her points, yeah, just have so much truth in them. I, I think, I think it's, I think it's not our job as people who aren't experiencing whatever it is to, to try and make sense of it or make it positive. I mean, I, I think it comes from an urge to be, supportive and to be encouraging and to yeah to to be kind but i i think i think our role is so much more to listen and to hear where someone is at and to to give them a loving open compassionate space to talk talk through their own experience and that may involve things that are bright spots for them but it's it's not our role to identify them and I, I think it does yeah i think it does ring ring really false and can be invalidating to try and uh, to try and present them to someone how do you think we can care for ourselves individually and also our communities and the communities we're a part of right now as we're it feels to me like we're in kind of this like 
collective trauma, collective grief, and we haven't yet come to the other side of it yet. And I think it's going to be really intense. Do you have thoughts on how we can kind of provide, you know, take, you know, take care of ourselves and take care of others through as we go through it over the next, you know, however long? Uh, I I feel like this is, I mean, it's such a big question and it's, you're absolutely right that there is this collective grief. There is this collective heaviness. I, I think the first step is taking time to identify and put into words, you know, what it, what it is that we are feeling, what it is that we've lost, what it is that we've been carrying. I mean, that, you know, in therapy, currency is our language. And so I think the first step is making space to, to try and put that in words, whether, whether that is processing out loud and, and talking about (laughs) it, whether that is, you know, doing it independently. But I, I think without without knowing kind of what the texture of that grief is, it's it's hard to know. It, it's hard to it's hard to really grieve it. Um I think being compassionate with ourselves too, that it's it's exhausting. And grief, I always say, is intensely physical. I feel like I've been seeing more writing about just the fatigue of of grief, the the way that it impacts us cognitively. Um, so recognizing that rest, finding things that are restorative are just so, so critical and important. Not to switch gears too intensely, but I did want to ask because you mentioned that you had had tried and failed many times to find a gratitude practice. And that you succeeded in finding something that worked for you. And I would, I would love to hear what it is that you do. Yeah. So this was an area where like with a background in psychological research, like there is just so much research about the benefits of gratitude. And it always felt like, you know, this is an evidence-based approach that I really need to get into. So the motivation was always there, but the things that I tried, you know, writing it down, using a gratitude journal, saying it out loud to my husband before bed, texting a friend, like just none of it, none of it stuck as a habit or pattern. Um, what did work? This is actually going to go back to those WhatsApp conversations with my, with my college roommates. So we created a gratitude chain. And so whenever we feel like it, we add, usually we add three, sometimes more gratitudes, type them out, send them to each other. The amazing thing is that not only are you expressing your own gratitude, but you're getting these snippets of other people's day-to-day lives, you know, the small to big things that they are grateful for. And it's so reinforcing, you know, reading about my friend Bridget's Cuban cheese toast that she is appreciating in the morning, you know, in, in Tampa, Florida, reading about my friends gardening, you know, when I have no interest in gardening myself, but kind of the joy that she gets out of it. Um, it, it's just, it's so reinforcing. You can sit it out for five days if you're not feeling particularly grateful or don't have the time or energy, but it just keeps going. Um, so that, that has really stuck for me and almost always 
once I read someone else's gratitudes in that chain, you know, I'm ready, ready to go with my own. And it's, it's nice to ride everyone else's motivation. Um, and, and thinking about, you know, Gretchen Rubin's framework, I'm, I'm definitely an upholder where I like to have the accountability of other people, um, that are, you know, reading and expecting my own gratitudes. So another, yeah, another great, great element of those WhatsApp chains. How does one get into your specific college friend group? Can we apply or like can we, is can there... we turn back the clock to 2001? Yeah. Can we go They're to your college? So... They're so wonderful. I mean, I these 12 people, I just also 12 of you were all living together. What is where is this magic? Like was it a I cool know. house, a big apartment? <laughs> it, it was in the dorms. But Aww. but yeah, I mean, I, I, I will say, like, I, I do think part of what's kept us so connected are these are these kind of rituals. And, and you know, we we ha- we have an annual reunion. Um, you know, we have these traditions and yeah, it, it just it does keep the group um, really connected. But yeah, they are they are wonderful, wonderful people, and my biggest yeah, my biggest encouragers and sources of support. So what I'm hearing you say is that I shouldn't just show up uninvited. To the next. <laughs> we we, <laughs> we will extend you an invitation, Kate. You are welcome. This you weird welcome. lurker is just like outside the Airbnb. <laughs> I'll add you to the WhatsApp chain, and you can just submit your gratitudes whenever oh whenever gosh. you want to. Uh, I know you guys have been friends for 20 years, but uh, I'm just gonna bust into <laughs> this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was. I was chuckling that you said that your husband has a chest freezer cold tub that he sits in for three minutes oh my a goodness. morning. Yes. So I I have been so delighted by the the cold tub curious conversations that you have been having and activity in Facebook. So this was a quarantine project for my husband. Um he was a college athlete and always loved, you know, the the cold tub situation. Um but he over the summer created in our garage it's it's a chest tub freezer i'm pretty sure he got it from costco so like you know flip top put put a pond liner in the inside and there's a thermometer in there he started at 42 degrees and is now worked down to 38 degrees but first thing in the morning (laughs) rolls out of bed strolls out to the garage he he'll put on a a three-minute song um you know on the speaker and gets in there you know all the way up to his neck for (gasps) three full minutes and then says that he is just like ready to go ready to start the day doesn't need coffee um I so the furthest I've I've gotten the closest I've gotten to this cold tub is this past summer I was I was pregnant with our youngest who was born in September so kind of July August like in the hottest hottest months when my hands were super swollen I would go and put my hands in and try and last the full three minutes um, but past my wrists never never been in the cold tub and I, I think the thing that it actually symbolizes for me is this idea that we we can all we can all have our different forms of self-care. I think a younger version of me would would have some judgment about kind of what does it mean about me that I'm not in this chest freezer for 3 minutes mm. every day. And 
now, now I feel like I'm at the point where for me, so much of my self-care is, is softer, is gentler. Like give me the relaxing hot shower in the morning. And that's what's taking care of myself looks like. It is not for me. It is not building up the stamina to go, to go in that chest freezer. So I just have this acceptance of like, that's for him. If anyone in the Los Angeles area wants to come over and give it a try, <laughs> you I mean, are more than welcome to. Maybe. But I just, yeah, it's just that's that's not going to be my self care, and that's that's totally fine. What a, um, I mean, that feels like a perfect note to end our conversation on. But like, and and it's such a like a going with grace way to treat yourself. And I just, I admire that. I think that's really fantastic because I do think that's something we've both walked away from doing this podcast is like, oh, self-care is not one thing. Yeah. Not at all. And it also is not, um, it's not an umbrella. Like it doesn't, you know, for, and for various reasons other than it not appealing to you, right? Like, you know, there's yep. structural no, reasons and, too. And I feel like you've made that point too, that, right, there's no, there's no moral implications there in terms of right what what someone is doing with their you know their their products or any like it's just yeah there's no there's no morality to it it's just figuring out what what works for ourselves i appreciate you saying that because i do feel like so much of the conversation is now the kind of like morality game of Mm self-care same way with like with food and it just is Mm -hmm. uh, yeah it's a little to we need to get to self-care neutrality Yes, yes story yep and Lizzie's a psychologist, so she says so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then it's right. Um, well, this has been really wonderful to get to have this conversation with you. I'm so glad we got to connect. It's been really interesting. Yeah. Thank you both so much. It's been a lot of fun. Um, Lizzie, where can our listeners find out more about you? Sure. So I have I have a website, drlizzycleary.com, L-I-Z-Z-I-E. Um, and that's a that's a great place to connect. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Lizzie. This was really, really fun. Well, Thank fun. You both. Maybe fun is the wrong word. <laughs> it was it was fun for me. I, okay, I was good. having fun. It was, yes. fun, it was, it was fun for me. Um, thank you again. Thank you guys. Well, Lizzie, I really loved getting to talk to her. I did too. I just, I just thought she, she, it felt to me like she'd really thought about practices that nurture her and relationships that nurture her and really pri- had figured out how to prioritize them. And that was really inspiring. That's a really for me. good way of putting it. Right. And man, I want to be in her f- college friend group. I mean, and this I know. is all to you, say, I love my college. I have a really tight knit group of friends from college. So I, I, I mean, you, you them. really tried to weasel your way in and she <laughs> was not I, having it. I really invited myself on a lot yeah, of adventures. She was like, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what can I do? I am going to put on like a wig and a hat and just kind of show up and pretend to be somebody and we'll see if they notice. Oh, that's smart. That's a great idea. <laughs> Okay, so look, I'm looking at our intentions from last week, and I'm realizing with shame that I never did my intention. Kate, there's no shame. shame. I know, but every night I was like, oh, tonight's the night. I'm going to do it. Like, it's my intention for the week for the podcast. And also, like, I really want to do it. 
It was to take a bath. And I didn't do it. <sighs> I have been really busy and I have been prioritizing work over anything else right now. That's the That's truth. Fine. That's what you That's need to truth. do right now. It is. I'm on a super tight book deadline when my book, ironically, the day I have to be fully done with revising my book, I, I booked a massage. So it's not a bath, but I am doing something for my aching bones. Great. Anyway, this week, though, Dory, my intention is to make my therapy appointment. As previously mentioned at the start of this episode, I need to talk through some stuff. And I realized I haven't talked to my therapist in a while. I got to get that going. So I'm going to make my therapy appointment. Great. I love it. Um, so last week, my intention was to schedule my week. Did you do it? And I did. I did. I did do it. Um, it was an interesting exercise, I will okay. say. And just to clarify for everyone who might not remember, this was inspired by Kate's... Um, kind of planning ev like basically like every minute of her day sort of thing, right? Isn't that how you would characterize it? I would say I was really scheduling things that even if I didn't follow them, it helped me kind of mentally remember what I was on track to do. Yes. And you know what? I would say that is exactly how it worked for me. Oh, interesting. So there were a couple things that I had scheduled time for that didn't get done because I was like, I had to work on something else or whatever. But like, for the most part, I did adhere to a lot of what I was scheduling myself for. And even if I didn't follow it, like to the letter, it was like, oh, yeah, I need to get that done. Mm. And like, this is the chunk of time that I've set aside for this. Um, so I did find that really helpful. And I think also things like putting in the commute like if i had an appointment that is not a zoom appointment mm -hmm. like adding the commute time to the calendar so important right yes so important because then you have like an actual idea of like how much time you have yes. before the thing so it's like you know if i have a 12 30 appointment but it's going to take me 45 minutes to get there like I don't actually have that hour before my appointment. You know right. what I mean? But that was never on my calendar before. So, yeah. Very and, cool. you know, that that combined with starting to use Calendly, I feel like I'm uh, mm. kind of getting it. Now, the only thing I will say is I, <laughs> as I look at my calendar, I have a bit of PTSD from when I worked at BuzzFeed as a manager. Ooh. And I had like back to back meetings like all day, every day. Mm -hmm, <laughs> and mm -hmm. my calendar like looked like this all the time. Mm. And it was just very, it was like stressful to look at my calendar because it was like, oh my God, I have so much stuff to do. Yeah. But what I'm realizing now is that I, I have the same amount of stuff to do that I had like last week. It's just that now I have the scheduled time to do it. Good work. Okay. You know what I mean? I do. I totally do because I've been trying to do this myself. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know. So I would say overall helpful. Great. Yeah. Um. So next week, my calendar looks <laughs> very, uh, it's very boring because I'm recording my audiobook. 
So you'll be in a studio for like 10 hours a day. I will be in a studio. Yeah. So I'm doing it three days next week and then one day the following week. Um, And so there's going to be like huge blocks of time where I'm just not going to be available. Can't wait to send you a bunch of urgent emails and (laughs) annoying text messages during that. But there is something kind of liberating about that. You know, it's just like, well, I'm not available. Yeah. Fuck you. I'm not available. <laughs> um, so my intention for next week is to not go horse. Uh, how are you going to do this? Are you going to be doing vocal exercises? I don't know. I have a call with the director of my audiobook this okay, afternoon. Cool. Wow. And I've ordered some stuff called Entertainer's Friend. I think Sorry, it's called. Wow, you're really committing to this. No, sorry. Entertainer's secret throat relief spray. Oh, someone told, someone had, told me to get this. Have you ever used throat coat? The tea. No, uh, that could be another other thing you get, and that's it. Like you can get that at any grocery store. It's uh, I forget which tea, tea line, but just look up throat coat, and it helps you get your. Vo- it like coats your throat so that you can have your voice back when you've lost it. It, it does really help. Sweet. Can't wait to all see right. um, actor Dory getting all her tools, <laughs> getting all your stuff. Oh my god! Well, listen. On that note, let us just inform everyone that Forever Thirty Five is hosted and produced by me, Dory Shafrier, and you, Kate Spencer, and produced and edited by Sammy Junio. Sam Reed is our project manager. Our network partners, Acast. We will talk to you all again very soon. Adios. Bye.